from Schwartz Media, I'm Osman Faruqi. This is 7am. In 2015, the Northern Territory government announced a royal commission into youth detention to try and address what many described as a broken system. But six years on, Indigenous people still make up 84% of the prisoner population in the NT. And on most days, every single young person in detention in the Territory is Indigenous. Now, the Northern Territory government has announced new criminal justice reforms that could see even more young Indigenous people being locked up. Today, lawyer and executive officer of Change the Record, Sophie Trevitt, on why the Northern Territory is undoing the recommendations of the Royal Commission and what the consequences will be. Sophie, you worked as a lawyer in Alice Springs. Can you tell me about that experience and what you observed during that time? So I moved to Alice Springs um, just about the same time as the Royal Commission into um, the protection and detention of young people was called. Um, And my first job in Alice Springs was about pulling together all of the stories and the evidence from young people who'd been held both in the Alice Springs Youth Detention Centre and in the Dondale Youth Detention Centre during that time um, so that we could put that evidence to the Royal Commission. I mean, I think the clearest thing was that the justice system is and and was completely broken. Um, To to be honest, in the three years that I was working in the Northern Territory, I never saw a non-Indigenous child um, in a youth detention centre. So that's obviously a huge problem to start with. Um, We have this mass incarceration of almost exclusively Aboriginal children. Um, But the way in which these children were treated was, without exception, pretty horrific. Um, So that ranges from the physical abuse of kids, um, kids being locked in in cells for for hours and days on end, not able to, to leave their cell to go to school or, or to have meals or to see family. Um, and, then, and then right through to the sort of long-term impacts of that, the lack of any therapeutic support, the lack of any mental health support. These kids would just get released after, after enduring this, this trauma in youth detention um, and be provided with no support on the outside. So not able to re-engage with school or having troubles at home. Um, and you just saw the cycle repeat again and again and again. And you mentioned the the Royal Commission into Youth Detention. Can you tell me more about the circumstances leading up to it being established? What was the kind of trigger, I guess, for it to 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 start? So there was a, a big national um, story that was aired on on Four Corners called "A National Shame." Welcome to Four Corners. The image you've just seen isn't from Guantanamo Bay or Abu Ghraib, but Australia in 2015. This is juvenile justice in the Northern Territory which showed the um, treatment of Aboriginal kids in the Dondale Youth Detention Centre. A boy, hooded, shackled, strapped to a chair and left alone. Particularly, it showed Dylan Voller as a young Aboriginal um, person being restrained on a chair with a hood over his head. There you go. Yeah, no worries. All right, you keep chilling out, yeah? yeah? We'll come back and revisit this, yes? We don't want to keep you in here. 
There was also airing of footage of Aboriginal kids being tear gassed within a cell um, and yelling and crying for help. So that was the impetus. And then what came out of the Royal Commission was actually this wasn't an isolated incident. There were, you know, there was abuse and, and that kind of treatment that was going on all the time. And what did the Royal Commission recommend in terms of dealing with the issues that it had been presented with? So the Royal Commission made you know, over 200 recommendations for a total structural overhaul of the youth justice system. Um, and that goes from drivers of kids into this system that is, that is harming them, um, right through to the treatment of these young people when they are behind bars. So they recommended things like raise the age of criminal responsibility so that you stop sending extremely young children into a system that, that basically traps them there. Um, increase the ways in which kids can access bail um, so that they're not being held behind bars while they're waiting to appear before court. The vast majority of children in the Northern Territory, and in fact around the country, but particularly in the Northern Territory, who are being locked up, haven't even been convicted of a crime. They're just being locked up waiting to have to have their turn before court to, to find out whether or not they did commit the offence that they've been charged with. And the Royal Commission recommended putting more funding and investing more heavily in diversion programs, community control programs, working with Aboriginal elders and, and the whole community to keep kids out of the prison system altogether. So how did the NT government respond to those Royal Commission recommendations? Did it take them on board? So initially it looked as though the Northern Territory government had taken on board the recommendations. I'm sorry. I think I should begin with saying that again. It's clear that successive Northern Territory governments have failed in their responsibilities essentially. They even said that the Royal Commission paper was the most important document that the government had ever received. Today I can say it will continue with us accepting the recommendation that Don Dale should shut. This Royal Commission very much began there and it needs to end there. They had put in a bunch of protections in legislation to try to protect children from the use of force within prisons. So they introduced these reforms that said, you know, only in really acute situations can staff members use force against a child, can they restrain a child, can they lock a child in their cell, um, a whole bunch of reforms of that nature. The commissioners have given us a three-month time frame to produce a work program. We accept that time frame. But then about 18 months after the Royal Commission recommendations were handed down, we saw the first big backflip. Um, and it was in response to, to a bunch of sort of tabloid media coverage um, of youth crime in the Northern Territory. The government basically made it worse than the situation was before the Royal Commission um, and really expanded the ways in which staff could use force against kids. Um, so there was a period of time, for example, where... Um, they brought bouncers from the local pubs um, into youth detention centres in Alice Springs. And, of course, those bouncers then used the, the new uses of force that you were able to after this backflip um, to basically manhandle children to try to maintain control. So that was the first backpedalling that we saw. Then a few weeks ago, A Current Affair released um, what can only be described as a pretty salacious 15-minute expose into youth crime in Alice Springs. Locals say crime has always been a problem in Alice Springs. Night after night, a majority of Alice Springs residents lock their doors and stay home, surrendering their streets to a troublemaking minority. 
And in response to that, I can only assume the Northern Territory government came out and introduced a raft of tough-on-crime, punitive um, law reform measures that would specifically target young people. And the only foreseeable response to that is that the number of young people, and particularly Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander young people, um, that are being locked up behind bars is going to skyrocket in the Territory. We'll be right back. As a a. 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points with links to full articles from a range of sources. Get the news you need to your inbox every weekday morning with Post. Sign up at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. The City of London in Andrew O'Hagan's latest novel is crumbling. But don't mistake this for pessimism. Instead, the author insists it's a necessary process for a better future. Change doesn't just happen because it's time for a change. Change has to be forced. We live in the end not in countries that are settled places. They're just imagined communities. I'm Michael Williams, and on this week's Read This, I sit down with Andrew O'Hagan to discuss his latest, Caledonian Road. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Sophie, can you tell me more about the new laws that are being proposed in the Territory? What is the government planning to do? Today, we're announcing a new suite of measures that will help make Territorians safer. I think a lot of these... So they propose to um, change the bail laws, so to basically make it harder for kids to get bail. Bail is a privilege, not a right. Territorians are trusting you on bail and you do the right thing while you are on bail. So when a child is charged with an offence, they've expanded the list of crimes that means they go straight to lock-up instead of being bailed to family members in the community, for example. So this is before a child has been convicted of any offence at all, to be clear. Um, They also restricted the way in which a court can decide to use diversion for a child. We're also giving police extra ability and more circumstances they can apply electronic monitoring. There are a couple of the things that we are doing to make sure Territorians are safer. Um, And the final big area is this proposal beefs up the powers for police. So in what I think is is an unprecedented move nationally, um, there's a proposal that police will be able to slap on GPS tracking devices on a child before a child has even gone to court. So that's the decision of the police to decide to monitor and surveil a child. Probably one of the most sort of shocking elements of... um, this announcement by the Northern Territory government was just how transparent it was, at the same time as announcing this raft of reforms that that goes really directly against the Royal Commission. The Northern Territory government also announced that it would be funnelling $5 million in expanding youth remand centres. The promise I make to you is that we will never stop working on making the Territory safer. And to be clear, what that means is they are openly acknowledging that in direct response to this suite of reforms, we are going to see more Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children behind bars. Sophie, these proposed laws seem to be the opposite of what the Royal Commission recommended. And as you say, they'll likely lead to even more Indigenous children being locked up. So what's the response to all of this been? Has there been pushback? Yeah, huge pushback. Uh, Can you hear me now? 
basically from everybody, um, apart from the Northern Territory Government and Police. My name's Priscilla Atkins and I'm the co-chair of NATSOLS, uh, that's the National Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Legal Service. And I have been the CEO of the North Australian Aboriginal Justice Agency for over 14 years. NAJA, the Aboriginal Legal Service Provider that, that provides legal services for kids in the Central Desert and in the Top End, have said that the Northern Territory Government needs to abandon these reforms and stay the course with the Royal Commission. And then all of a sudden this comes into the media. There wasn't any consultation with the community and it goes totally against the recommendations that the NT Government has committed to. There's a, a group of Aboriginal grandmothers in the Central Desert who are strong advocates for their grandkids who have come out and said, you know, we, we are here and we want to be providing culturally safe alternatives for these kids. And we've got the evidence to show that, you know, if we, any of our youth that attend the youth justice conferencing, 80% of them don't re-offend. Really um, 80% of our youth that attend um, youth cultural camps don't re-offend. Really so we know that these programs work, but locking them up doesn't work. And Aboriginal-controlled healthcare service providers have come out and said, you know, so many of these young people are experiencing mental health concerns, disabilities. We need to be meeting their needs, not punishing them further. What we want is the government to listen to Aboriginal-led solutions and um, we want our kids to be healthy and have their culture um, and having their families being supported and connected to a caring home. This is what we want. I think by locking our youth up, they're not going to achieve that. Literally everybody has come out and said that these reforms are going to be a disaster and they are going to be a disaster for Aboriginal children. Sophie, it feels like, like you said, we, we know what the answers are. You've just outlined a, a bunch of them and we've got royal commissions and so many inquiries and experts telling us exactly what we need to do. But even after it seemed like the NT government was initially stepping towards those reforms, we're now going backwards. Why do you think we keep seeing this pattern play out like this? I think until both sides of politics um, decide that they are not going to play politics with children's lives, we are going to see this trajectory of making a little bit of progress and then backflipping as soon as there's a bad media story continue. So if we see, for example, like we've seen in the Northern Territory, um, a CLP opposition that is willing to, you know, throw anything at the government to try to get them to introduce harsher and more punitive youth justice laws, and if you see a government that just doesn't have the metal to stay the course um, and to do the right thing, then we are going to see this backflipping just continue. We need governments that have real conviction and that will say we are prepared to stay the course and to introduce these reforms because we know they will work. They just need time. Sophie, thank you so much for your time today. No worries. Thank you. Sydney Dance Company explodes on stage with Momenta. This world premiere by acclaimed choreographer Raphael Bonicella is unmissable contemporary dance. Strictly limited season from the 28th of May to the 8th of June. Book now at sydneydancecompany.com. Also in the news today, Australians will soon be able to fly into New Zealand without quarantining under new travel arrangements announced yesterday. The travel bubble arrangement will launch on April 18. New Zealand's Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern said the trans-Tasman bubble 
represented a new chapter in the region's COVID recovery. And the Reserve Bank of Australia has kept the official cash rate at 0.1%. It's the fifth RBA meeting in a row where the rate has either been cut or held at record lows. I'm Osman Faruqi. This is 7am. See you tomorrow.